let's get into James. Um, let's see. And we left off um, finishing up um, in verse, uh, 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 chapter 1, verse 27 is where we finished. Uh, with a pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, um, the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. That's where we ended last time. Okay, so let's jump into chapter 2, verse 1. Now, here's where James, again, you're going to see a lot of what we talked about in the introduction. And again, if you didn't hear the introduction, if you didn't uh, hear part 1 and part 2, uh, it's all on Buzzsprout now. I would encourage you to go back to listen to it because this is kind of where you see James take even more authority um, as, as an apostle, um, as a disciple, you know, as someone who is a pillar of the church. Uh, you've got to remember that he's also speaking to uh, believers who are Jews, you know what I mean? And so you're going to see this from chapter 2, verse 1, all the way to like 13, where you're going to see um, uh, uh, his, his, his authority. You're going to see uh, his, his plea to, Jewish, uh, to the Jewish believers um, so let's, let's, let's get reading. Now watch this. Now we're going to do a lot of Bible reading tonight. Uh, we're going to be flipping a lot from James to Matthew and, 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 and maybe a little bit of Luke, okay? Now watch this. Um, here we go. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith? Watch this. Here comes, right here, the authority. How can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? Now I'm reading from NLT, okay? Here he goes. He says, how, listen, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord, Jesus Christ, but yet you favor some people over others? You treat people differently. Now watch this. He's not just talking about you treat people differently over anything. He says, for example, and here we go. He's giving them examples. Watch this. See, I just put bam in the comment thing. There it is right there. Verse one, how can you say to be have faith when you treat people differently? He says, for example, suppose someone comes, watch this, in your meetings. Here we go. Dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided, watch this, by evil motives? He is saying that when you see people come into your meetings, he's talking about when people come to church and you start judging people and watch this and give them special treatment and special attention in your gatherings based on someone's class, based on someone's money, based on someone's influence, that you are showing discrimination. And how in the world can you call yourself a follower of Jesus if you show people favor based on what they have? Come on, y'all. Uh, 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 uh. He goes on to say, he says, listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom promised to those who love him? Now watch this. Let's, let's, let's go to Luke 6. 20, because I want you to see where he gets his authority from. Remember, we talked about James, and when we were figuring out which James was the James that wrote this book, we talked about James who followed Jesus. Luke 6, 20. Uh, this same account is in Matthew 5. They, 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 they voice it a little differently, but listen to what Jesus says in, in, in Luke 6. It's the Beatitudes. 6, 20. Luke 6, 20. It says, then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. He is literally just reciting, watch this, what Jesus said uh, uh, earlier. Look, here we go. Uh, uh, you go back to James 2. 
uh, verse uh, five, he says, listen uh, to me, dear brothers and sisters, hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? He says, aren't they the ones who will inherit the uh, kingdom he promised to those who love him? This is exactly what Jesus said in the Beatitudes in Luke 6, 20. God blesses those who are poor for the kingdom of God is yours. He is literally saying, look, how can you believe, watch this, how can you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but you're not practicing what he says in the way that you treat people? Now watch this. When you talk about the way he said, when people come into your gatherings and, and, and what they're wearing, you have to remember, again, he's talking to believers who were Jews. Who were the Jewish leaders back then? The Pharisees and the scribes. Watch what Jesus rebuked them in Matthew 23. Let's go to Matthew 23. Somebody just remind me to slow, to slow down when I'm talking, if I'm talking too fast. Because I know I talk fast, y'all. I can feel myself talking fast. Um, but I get, I, I, it, it, when you see this stuff coming together, I just get excited. Here we go. Matthew 26. So remember, he just talked about don't show people favor based on what they do when they come in, based on what they have and their money and, and what they wear. And, and you're showing some people favor. How can you believe in Jesus? You know, if you're not doing that, Jesus said that the poor shall inherit the kingdom. We see all that, right? Now watch this. Uh, Jesus is, is rebuking the, the, the Pharisees. We want to read a lot in, 20, in Matthew 23, okay? Because remember, we're seeing where James got this from, okay? He talked about, isn't, aren't the poor people the ones that, that our Lord and Savior said will inherit the kingdom? He got that from, from Jesus, where he said, blessed are the poor, for the kingdom of God shall be theirs. Now watch this in the gathering. Then Jesus said to the crowd and his disciples, the teachers of the religious law, he's talking about the scribes, he says, and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of, law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but do not follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear, they wear extra wide boxes with scripture and verses inside and their robes with extra long tassels. Watch this. They love to sit at the head table at banquets and sit in the seats of honor in the what? In the synagogues. James is telling you this stuff. Don't show these people special treatment when they come into your gatherings. He got it from Jesus. Don't y'all see how the Bible come together? Watch this. Here we go. He says, they love to receive respectful greetings as they walk into the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. Don't let anyone call you rabbi, for you have one teacher, and all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. Do not show anyone favor just because of what they have. He, he says, and don't address anyone on earth as father. Don't call me dad. Don't call me father because I'm, I'm Rick. I'm your teacher. I'm a pastor. Don't call me that. I'm not that. He says, for only God in heaven is your spiritual father. And don't let anyone call you teacher for you have only one teacher, the Messiah. Here we go. The greatest of you, uh, the greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and Pharisees? Hypocrites, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves and you don't let others enter either. Oh my goodness. And you can read the rest of this, uh, uh, of his rebuke uh, to them. But watch this. You go down to 23. He says, uh, uh, well, you know what? Let's do um, the, 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 the Matthew 23. Let's go down to... Uh, 18. He says, uh, no, 16. He says, blind guides. He's talking to the Pharisees. What sorrow awaits you? For you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple, but that it is, uh, that it is binding to swear by the gold in the temple. 
it comes down to money. Remember, he talked about don't people they come in, they got the fancy clothes and all this money and stuff like that. Don't give them special treatment because that's what the Pharisees did and they expected special treatment. So we see James in his teaching with what they should do as far as not showing favor to certain people. We see Jesus saying the same thing and we see his rebuke of the Pharisees because remember, he's talking to, to believers. James is believers who are Jews. And so he's like the same stuff the Pharisees used to do under that old stuff. We don't do that here. No one gets special treatment. No one gets that favor. You can listen, you cannot believe uh, uh, in our Lord Jesus Christ and show that favor to some people. Because Jesus taught against that. So we see that in James, right? Okay, here we go. Now let's go back to James. Let's go back to James chapter two. So keep your finger, keep your finger on, uh, on Matthew because we're going to go back there. Verse six, he says, but you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppresses you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slandered Jesus Christ, uh, who, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed. Watch this. It is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin and you are guilty of breaking the law. Do you see the authority by which James is teaching? And now, again, like we said in, in the introduction, the authority by which James is teaching is unique because he's not teaching doctrine. He's teaching life application. Okay? We get, we get that? Like, he's not teaching principles of faith and grace, and, but he's teaching about how to treat people fairly and how to treat the poor. And he says, you are committing a sin if you favor some people over others. That that is a sin. And remember, he says, don't even say you believe in Jesus <laughs> if you're going to treat people differently, okay, based on what they have. Uh, now, let's go, let's go to um, um, uh, uh, Matthew 25, 34, because he's talking about this stuff with the poor. Uh, 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 and, and it's very clear what Jesus says to us about the poor. Jesus emphasizes our treatment of the poor when he's even talking about the, the judgment in the final day. Because we, we read the scripture a lot, but we have to understand its context. Like Jesus is talking about this when it comes to the final judgment. Now watch this, Matthew 25, let's go to 34. Uh, now, if you want, you can start at 31 uh, in your own time, but you'll see that he's talking about when the Son of Man comes in his glory. He's talking about when he comes back. Uh, 34, he says, so Matthew 25, 34, he says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, watch this, and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show hospitality or naked and gave you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. Come on, somebody. This he is saying that in the final judgment, one of the ways he is separating those who gets in the kingdom and those who are not in the kingdom is the way they treated the poor and those in need while they were here on the earth. Come on. But now we got to go. But now we got to go to 41. Then the king will turn to those on the left. <laughs> here we go and say away with you. 
you cursed ones, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty, a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. Come on, he is talking, this is in the judgment that you mean to tell me that in the final day that Jesus is going to look at us and say, you will enter into the kingdom because you helped, you fed people who were hungry. You, you gave clothes to those who needed clothes. You invited in the stranger. When someone needed something, you were quick to help. Yes, indeed. He's not going to sit there and say, well, Rick, you preached uh, 857 sermons, uh, at least 730 were good, and so you're getting in. No, he ain't judging that. That ain't what it is. Come on now. He, it, it, he says, what you did for the least of these. We're seeing a whole different way that things are being judged. And so James is trying to tell these folks that Jesus emphasized the poor. And that we remember, James is the one who said in, verse, in chapter one at the end, that those who claim to be religious but can't control their tongue, you're fooling yourselves. That pure religion in the sight of God means caring for the orphans and widows and uh, in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. That it's about what you do for those in need that is religion, pure and undefiled, okay? So we see Jesus' emphasis of the poor there. And again, this is where James is getting all of this from, where he is saying in chapter two, we can't treat people differently or show favor to those who have some because Jesus didn't operate that way, amen? Now watch this, the kingdom structure of things is, is different. I'm gonna, let's, go, let's go to Matthew 19. Because again, James is teaching with such authority on, practical, uh, on the practicality of things that, we, that we're referencing how, what Jesus taught because James is teaching the same thing. This is James teaching what Jesus taught, okay? Here we go, Matthew 19, 30. Uh, uh, and, you, and, you, and you can go back to, to 28 in your own time if you want. But Jesus says, but many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. He's talking about the kingdom. He says, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. He's saying that the first will be last and the last will be first then. And so we have to switch our whole mentality to see people the way Jesus sees them. And that's what James is saying here, that do not give special favor to people just because they, they, they seem like they got it all together and they got this and they got the fancy clothes and you sit them in the front of your gathering to give them preferred seat. But no, no, everyone is treated the same. Amen. Here we go. Now, remember, let's jump back to James chapter two. We're going to go to, um, to, to verse 10. And, and, and here's where it's important to remember that he's talking to, um, to, to believers who are Jews because he starts referencing the law, something that, they, that, that a lot of them know about. He says, uh, for the person who keeps all of the laws except one is, guilty, is as guilty as a person who broke all of God, God's laws. We saw that in Galatians when Paul was talking about the law and how you know, it's impossible to keep it. You break one, you break all, right? Uh, he says, for the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder but do not commit adultery, you still broke the law. So there's no, I broke this part of the law, but not that. No, you broke the entire law if you broke one, okay? So we get that. We ain't breaking down the law into different things that you didn't do. If you, if you did one thing but didn't do the other, you're still guilty of breaking the entire law, right? Okay, he says, verse 12, so whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. So he's saying, now remember, 
you know that old law. He says, but whatever you do, whatever you say, understand you're going to be judged by this new thing, by this new covenant, all right? There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. So again, you got to remember when they talk about mercy, uh, in some translations, when they're talking about mercy, they talk about alms, they're talking about giving to people. And so, and, and, and so uh, here you could almost say like, you know, if you, if you show mercy or if you give to others, things will be given to you. But also if you show mercy to others, if you show grace to others, but if you what, if you forgive others, God will also forgive you. Remember, he's talking about that is the law you will be judged by. Let's go back to Matthew chapter six. The reason he is saying this is because he's seen Jesus say it. Matthew six. He's telling, he's telling them, don't forget, you're going to be judged by this new law. Um, Matthew 6, let's go to 14. He says, if, here's Jesus, if you forgive those who sins against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. He's saying, this is the law by which you will be judged. That's what James is saying in James 2, uh, 13 through uh, uh, 13, uh, uh, 12 and 13. Okay, so let's move to um, let's move to uh, uh, James chapter two verse fourteen. We'll probably read most of this and then come back and teach it uh, next week on Tuesday. Here we go. He said, or maybe I don't know. We'll see what I do. Here we go. He says James two fourteen. He says, "What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith? Watch this, but don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone?" Suppose you see a brother or sister, here he goes again, talking about taking care of people who are poor. Come on, y'all. This is a theme in the Bible. It was a theme with Jesus and, and, and James is teaching this. And don't forget, in Galatians, Paul said that I went to, to Peter. I went to James. I went to the pillars of the church. I told them what I was teaching the Gentiles. They told me, teach, do exactly what you're doing. Teach a grace and faith to the Gentiles. Just make sure that you teach them to give to the poor. Remember? And so now here's, they, they told Paul that. We studied that in Galatians. So now here we are back here in James where he's saying, how can you have faith? He said, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothes and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds it is dead and useless. Listen, let me tell you something. Sierra and I were talking, man, we were talking about uh, some stuff this weekend. Um, and it's amazing that, you know, given the stuff with um, the coronavirus, you know, and, and a lot, of, and, and, and so people couldn't go to church in the building. And so, so many people kind of like just reproduced what they do uh, on Sundays in the building and made it virtual, you know, whether they taped singing or whether they did singing live on video and then the pastor preached. And it's like a lot of people did exactly what they do normally on Sundays. They just did it at home. They sat there and they watched people sing and maybe they clapped and participated a little and they listened to someone preach. And it's like, it is amazing. Like our faith does not, does, our faith should not uh, 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 cause us 
to sit and spectate. Remember, we talked about this impact. It's not a spectator sport, that our faith is not a spectator sport, that it causes us to sit back and watch and listen, and, and, but doesn't cause us to do something. Like, listen, there should be more doing than watching. There should be more helping than, than, than sitting back and, and, and just getting fat on what we see. And, and, oh, I'm so inspired. Oh, I'm so uplifted. Oh, I got so much from what I saw. But we don't, in turn, we don't, in turn, give that out to someone else. This is why... I've been, I've been, I, I purposely have been saying at the end of Impact Lessons is that yes, you can share this link with somebody else, but take these notes and preach it to somebody else. Tell somebody else about it yourself. We need to be quick to help people. If our faith doesn't cause us to help people who are in need, and James is specifically talking about people who are poor and people who are needy, then what good is our faith? Faith without works is, is, is dead. Like, what good is it for me to believe, watch this, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen, that those who come to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What good is that faith if it doesn't then in turn cause or produces good deeds? He says it is dead and useless, that it is fruitless, that your faith literally produces nothing if it doesn't cause you to do good deeds, not if it doesn't cause you to sit in a, in a, in a room and be inspired by what you're here for an hour and a half just to make your life better. No, if it doesn't cause you to, to produce good deeds. Come on, here we go. Verse 17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, some may argue some people have faith. Others have good deeds. Oh, you know, going out and helping people, that's not my ministry. That's not my ministry sweet spot. I filled out a survey, and it said I don't help homeless people. No, who cares about that? What does the Bible say? It doesn't matter what that survey told you you should be doing or shouldn't be doing or what your quote-unquote ministry sweet spot is. That's corporate Western civilization church. That ain't what James teaching, and that's not what Jesus taught. I'm, I'm getting all authoritative like James right now. He says, now some may argue some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. He is saying talk is cheap. Yes, you say you believe, but who are you helping? Who are you ministering to? Who are you pulling down to reach it down to bring up? What is your faith causing you to do other than inspire yourself to try to be a better version of yourself? We're going to do a whole, listen, we're going to do a whole series on, on, on this whole thing about self-improvement. And the Bible, listen, this is not about self-improvement. This isn't self-help. It's self-denial. Jesus talked about denying oneself. Paul, talk, listen, we, we got into the whole Western thought of self-improvement and being a better version of me and self-improvement. I'm me, me, I'm going up. I'm leveling up, leveling up. No, it's not self-improvement. It's not self-help. It's self-denial. He says, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Like even the devil knows that there's a God. But the devil don't have good deeds. He says, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions did what? Worked together. His actions uh, uh, made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, 
Abraham believed God and God counted him righteous because of his faith. But uh, now again, he said, but how did God know that? Because of his deeds, because of his work. He said he was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers. Again, notice that he's using, because he's speaking to Jews, so he's using Rahab, he's using Abraham, he's using people that they can connect with. He says, she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, listen to the authority he is preached. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also is faith dead without good works. That's it. We done. Chapter two. Uh, we'll get back to chapter three um, where he talks about controlling the tongue. Uh, we, can't, we can't even go there tonight. Um, uh, yeah, we can't go there tonight. But that's chapter two. Faith without works is dead. This is literally, this is literally almost like the foundation of impact with that. Like we will not be... Uh, uh, we're not we're not a talking spot. Uh, yeah, that, that that's right. I know that's right, Chris. After Romans, this might be your favorite. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. James is off the chain. It's one of my favorite books too, man. And anyone who's like, hey, I need to read the Bible, but I don't know where to start. I tell people start in James because it's so practical. You know what I mean? Um, and it doesn't get dig deep into like doctrine and stuff, but it talks about things you can do as far as everyday life. And I'm telling you, faith without works is dead. And, and, and uh, we have not been called um, to, and we, and, we, and we saw this in, in the, in the uh, message on release, we haven't been called to be spectators. We haven't been called to just sit back. We have been called to action. We haven't been called when we see, you know, uh, things happening in the world to say, oh, well, I'm, 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 I'm going to pray for you. My, my thoughts and prayers are with you. Yes, my thoughts and my prayers are with you, but my faith causes me to, to step up and roll up my sleeves and help this world and do something to make something better for people. Amen. Okay. So I'm going to pray. And if anybody got something they want to say or, or, or a question or something they want to add, we can do that. Uh, let's pray. 